It was June 6th, 1944, on the shores of Normandy, France. It was the largest seaborne invasion in history. We call it D-Day. Germany's fate was sealed as the Allies swarmed the beaches. It became clear that good would triumph over evil. Fast forward 330 days later, May 8th, 1945, the Nazis' full and unconditional surrender. We call it VE Day, Victory in Europe, nearly a year later. Why was there this gap of time between D-Day and VE Day? And what does that have to do with today's talk about prayer and thy kingdom come? Well, you see, our king has landed on the beach. He has guaranteed and secured the final victory over Satan, our enemy. Over sin, over death, victory will be his. And yet our enemy continues to fight on until Jesus' triumphant final return. And so we find ourselves in this in-between time between D-Day and V-Day. So we fight on for our king. Knowing he has won, yet the fighting continues. And much of that battle actually takes place through the prayers of the saints. As we cry out in prayer, thy kingdom come. Welcome back to the Such Things Podcast in our series where we are learning how to pray the Lord's Prayer. Today, thy kingdom come. Buckle up, grab a Bible, maybe some strong coffee today, and brace yourself for a full blast of God's Word. Let's jump in. What is a kingdom? What is God's kingdom? This is indeed a a huge topic in Scripture, but let's try to keep it simple. A kingdom is the area over which a king rules or reigns. Dallas Willard, in his book, uh, The Divine Conspiracy, he says simply this, the kingdom of God is the range of his effective will. That is the domain where what he prefers is actually what happens. So this explains a lot, this idea of kingdom. And and, and there's, there's something we have to understand about God's kingdom, and it has to do with the idea of free will. See, God is king, and his will will ultimately be done, yet he allows this little detail called free will for, for us, for humanity. And so we see two kingdoms warring in this world, and even warring within our own souls. There's a battle of wills. So we live between D-Day and V-Day. Jesus, our King, landed on the shores. But the battle rages on as we wait for him to seal (laughs) the victory at his ultimate triumphant return. 
Okay, so a disciple of Jesus could be described in this way. A disciple is one who has made Jesus their king. They have said Jesus is Lord, Jesus is king. So this part of the prayer, this part of the Lord's prayer, gets into our marching orders to go make disciples. We are partnering with Jesus in his stated mission where he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. We want more people to come into that kingdom. But, but, wait, let's first not be too hasty. Let's apply this part of the prayer first to ourself. Let's talk about praying this part of the prayer. First of all, what are we praying when we pray, thy kingdom come? We first make it personal. First, we're saying, I submit today to the king. I submit to the king. Jesus is Lord, a.k.a. master, a.k.a. king. Do you remember God's orders to Adam and Eve when he made them back in Genesis? He told them something interesting. He said, go and take dominion over the earth. See, God has given each of us our own little kingdom. The area over which your will is done, my will is done, where your choices rule the day, where what you say goes, i.e., your body, your car, your home, your talents and abilities. Will I let Jesus be Lord and King over my little kingdom? and over these things over which I have say today? Or will I try to do it all on my own today? What did Jesus show us here in his prayer life, in this part of the prayer, praying, your kingdom come, your will be done? Well, actually, Jesus showed us a lot. Do you remember his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? Matthew chapter 26, as I turn there myself here, what did he pray twice, multiple times, in fact, probably three times in the Garden of Gethsemane? I'll just read two examples. Matthew 26, verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 42, he went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. May your will be done, not my will. Jesus is showing us how to pray this part of the Lord's, Lord's prayer. Now, this was a pretty major example in his life. He's about to go to the cross. Not every day are we facing such life and death, dire situations and decisions, but each day there is a prayer that happens at this point in our daily prayers. Will my will be done today or will God's will? Who will rule the day for my day today? It says in Hebrews chapter 5, it says this about Jesus and the way he prayed. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard 
because of his reverent submission. There is a surrendering of the will that takes place at this point in our prayers, at this point in the Lord's Prayer. God does not like to force his way into our day. He wants to be invited. He's given us free will, and he would prefer to be invited in. Recently, I woke up like early in the morning, I like in feeling anxious. Usually I, I sleep like a rock. I mean, I'm out like a like a light, you know. But I woke up early feeling bothered by some things. And, and, and I was unsettled. I was unwell. Um, and some of the things I was concerned about were actually like good things of God and his kingdom that I was, they were on my heart. They were heavy on my heart, but, but they were, they were just, ah, it was just weighing on me. And, and so I, I got out of bed and I just got on my knees next to the bed and I prayed this prayer. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I, I I put it before him and I realized that I was wanting to feel a sense of control. And I had to, to recognize, God, you are king. But I can pray for his will to win in these areas of concern, but I've got to surrender. Galatians chapter 5 talks a lot about this battle within us between, uh, you know, the battle of wills going on within us. And, and Paul calls it in Galatians 5, you know, the spirit and the flesh. And he talks about, you know, the acts of the sinful nature, the acts of the flesh, how they're obvious. But then he talks about, the, you know, the, the, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, and so there's there's these these two warring you know which which one's gonna win and at the end he says since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit so what are we to pray in this part of the Lord's prayer I think it's about keeping in step with the spirit saying okay Father okay Jesus. I will let you rule over my fill-in-the-blank today. I will let you rule over everything today. And so during this part of the prayer, I take time in my prayer life on a regular basis to just give over these things to him. I actually will often list them out. Everything in my life, I give it, you will rule over my family today, my house today, my finances today, my vehicles, my body, my moods, my words. How have I been resisting his will? I might reflect on that. What part of my kingdom has not been under your kingdom, God? This week, my mouth, my moods, my marriage, what is it? And I tell God, I submit to the king today. 
in every area of my life. And so that's that's the first part of praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We say, I submit to the king today. But there's more. Let's go on. The second thing I believe that we are praying in this point of the Lord's prayer is this. After I've submitted my place, submitted myself to the king today, I say this. Now, God, I take my place in your kingdom today. I take my place in your kingdom today. We're going to have to study this a little bit, okay? Get ready. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says this. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Hold on. Let me read that again. Listen to this. If you're driving right now or something, you need to listen. It says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What? Wait, hold on. We've been seated with him? What does this mean? Well, we need to study a little further in the book of Ephesians to understand what this means. It has to do with taking our place, our seat in the kingdom. This is a part of prayer that many of us are unfamiliar with. Listen with me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. Let's back it up. Here's what Paul says. It talks about God's power, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Okay, Jesus has been given this power, this authority, and it says that power, his incomparably great power, is the same. So, so okay. The same power that brought Jesus out of the tomb is available to us? How can this be true? What are the implications of this for us, specifically with prayer and with the way we're living our lives? The book of Ephesians is filled with these examples of of, uh, the word power, where Paul talks a lot about this idea of power. Many of us, I don't know about you guys, I spend too many of my days not feeling powerful in my walk with God, feeling, you know, just, just like I'm grinding it out. But I don't think that's the way we're meant to live. And I think when we pray the Lord's Prayer, as I'm teaching us today, there is an access, there's like a, a, like a power source. Too many of us are living on like low battery mode. Let's go to Ephesians chapter three, verse 16. Listen to this. 
Three times the word power comes out. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That's a prayer for you. Three times he says, power. And what does it say at the end, the third time it says, the power is at work where? Oh, within Jesus. Oh, within, in heaven. No, 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 that's actually not what it says. It says, this power is now at work within us. It's this, the Greek word, and I don't speak Greek, and I probably can't pronounce it right, but it's dunamis. It's, it's the same word that is used often to, for Jesus' miracles. That, that, that his miracles are referred to in this way, as do, do, acts of dunamis, of this power. So miracles are at work within us, available to us? See, there was and is immense power in Jesus Christ. You saw bursts of it with his miracles when you read the Gospels as he lived his life. And then you saw the whole enchilada when he walked out of the tomb on Easter morning. And apparently that tremendous power that rose people from the dead, that they... they, they, they <laughs> that made sick people well, that made mute, mute people speak. Um, this power is available to the church and is at work among the Christians in the church. So in Ephesians chapter 6, at the end of the book, when it tells us, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, there's that word power again, we got to wonder, just what type of power is really available to me and you? It says that we stand against the devil in Ephesians 6. And our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Or is that Ephesians 3? You can go study it. Um, no wonder. It says we better suit up in the full armor of God. That is Ephesians chapter six there. But it all comes together here in Ephesians six eighteen. After all this talk about power, Paul says this, he prays, I pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly 
as I should. Five times in those verses, the word pray or prayer shows up. Here's, okay, let me bring it together for you. This is our quick little study of Ephesians here, okay? The power, my fellow Christian, the power is in prayer. Resurrection power awaits us in prayer. I am here to tell you that when we pray, thy kingdom come, what we are doing is taking our place, our seat in the kingdom, in the heavenly realms with Christ. And we, just like Jesus, we are unleashing power upon the earth, resurrection power. How? With our prayers. That is what we are doing when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will, thy will be done. So we first submit ourselves to the king. And then we say, I take my place today in the kingdom. I will live with power. I will pray with power as a representative and ambassador of this kingdom. The third thing we're doing and we're saying in this point of the prayers, we're saying this, I believe. I have faith in my king. When we say thy kingdom come, we are confessing, I have faith in the king. I have put my faith. I believe today. See, faith gives the access to that power. It activates it. There are so many examples in the gospels when Jesus commented on faith in connection with the kingdom of God coming upon someone in a miraculous and powerful way. Let me just show you three quick examples. I'm telling you today, strong coffee. We're getting into it today. Buckle up. Matthew chapter nine, verse two. It says this, some men brought to him, to Jesus, a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith. Verse 22, another woman comes to Jesus and Jesus turned to her and he saw her. He said, take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Verse 27, as Jesus went on from there, I'm in Matthew 9, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. What's happening in each of these stories? And I could show you many more. The kingdom is coming to these people. Power, life, healing, renewal. This is the signs of the kingdom of God, the evidence of the kingdom of God. And it comes through Jesus and through their faith in him. They believe in Jesus. But let's analyze one more very important story in the previous chapter, Matthew chapter 8. Stay with me. This is going to be good for you. Matthew 8, verse 5. Listen to this story about the kingdom of God. 
When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, and he goes. And I tell that one, come. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. See, centurions were, you know, high up in the Roman army. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and he said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. He believed. But but what did this man understand? What impressed Jesus about him? Yes, it was his faith. But what specifically? See, the centurion, he had faith, but he understood authority. He recognized the true king. He recognized that Jesus had authority over disease. We saw, we see other examples where Jesus shows his authority over nature, over demons, over forgiving sins, over how to correctly interpret the scriptures. And so we declare our faith in prayer. By faith, we invoke or call upon God's power and authority. We cry out to God. We say, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. We proclaim our faith in him. And this leads us right to the final piece in this part of the Lord's prayer. As we're learning how to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lastly, we pray this. We pray, God, I bring your kingdom today. I bring the kingdom. I proclaim it. I preach it. I spread it. I pray that more and more people within my sphere of influence, my little kingdom, that they will come to a place where they are ready to make their good confession. And I call upon the reign of God to come here into my world. I invite it over my home, my family, See, I I often pray my family, literally my backyard, you know, I built like my a patio and a, like a, I made this like a pergola back there. My home, my family, my children, our backyard, everything here. We will be an outpost of the kingdom in our community. My church here in Myrtle Beach, our little group of disciples in the Grand Strand of South Carolina, we will be a colony of the kingdom right here on earth in the middle of Satan's kingdom. You better pray that for your family. You better pray that for your church. I call upon, I bring the kingdom to my community.
my town, my city, my kids' school, my neighborhood. I beg for revival here. I plead for Grand, the Grand Strand area, my county, my city, Myrtle Beach. I cry out for my neighbors. I stand in the gap between heaven and hell on their behalf. I take my place. I am here as an ambassador between two kingdoms and I pray, Jesus, come. There's an incredible scene in the, the Western, uh, this great movie, Tombstone, uh, about Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. And there's this scene, and you gotta forgive me, the language is a little colorful. Wyatt Earp says at the end of the movie, he's gonna come and clean up the town and drive out the evil and all the bad guys that have taken over his town, called the town of Tombstone. And he says, you go tell him Wyatt Earp is coming and hell's coming with me. Let's change that, brothers and sisters. In our prayers, we are giving notice every morning when we start our day in prayer like this. We're saying, I'm coming today. You tell him, I'm coming. And heaven's coming with me. That is what we pray here. I told y'all when we started this series, no more puny prayers. We will go from prayer wimps to prayer warriors. We will become believers whose prayers are powerful and effective. This is what I'm learning. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We tell God our King, I submit to you. I take my place in you and in your mighty power. I believe in you, I have faith in you, my King. And I proclaim you and I bring your kingdom with me today everywhere I go and to everyone I interact with because I'm an ambassador for a mighty king. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for being our loving Father, for adopting us as your children through the blood of your precious Son, Jesus. You are in heaven. You are enthroned there and worshiped by thousands upon thousands of angels. And we join in in worshiping you. And we say, hallowed be your name. Your name is lifted up and holy and special and dear. You are sinless. You are perfect. And yet somehow you're also near and dear. And we love you. And we beg that your kingdom will come. Your will will be done in our lives, in our towns, in our families, in our cities, in our churches. We say, come, Lord Jesus. Come today, into this day. Make us your ambassadors today. Drive out the darkness today. And we also say, Jesus, please come back. We live between D-Day and, and V-Day, but we long for V-Day. We long for you to return and bring your kingdom once and for all, to restore heaven and earth together. But until then, we will keep advancing your kingdom one day at a time, one soul at a time, one prayer at a time. We love you. Strengthen us on this day. In the name of Jesus, the mighty name of Jesus, 
we pray. Amen. I love you. Come back next time. Let's keep learning how to pray as we move on to give us this day our daily bread.